Welcome market participants to another three things in credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. It's a beautiful Friday here in the Northeast. It's Masters weekend and it's opening day for the Philadelphia Phillies. Hope springs eternal. This week our three things are one, recession risk. It's rising. We'll lay out a timetable. Two, home builder blues. With a chronic shortage of houses, how is this possible? And three, Jamie Dimon's letter. There's always a lot to unpack. All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Recession risk rising. But when do we worry? A U.S. recession is coming. Spreads to gap wider. That was the headline that caught my and plenty of investors' attention this week. That comes from our good friends over at Deutsche Bank, who updated their world outlook through the end of 2024 in an elegant and thorough treatment. Now, to be fair, the full headline had spreads to gap wider by the end of 2023, the time when they forecast a start to a U.S. recession. And despite the ominous headline, DB is forecasting what looks like a modest contraction for the U.S., with full year 2023 and 2024 growing at 1.8% and 0.7% respectively, and credit spreads not widening beyond levels we hit three weeks ago until Q3 2023. The catalyst for the slowdown, not surprisingly, is the Fed tightening more aggressively than previously expected in the face of worse-than-expected inflation. DB does acknowledge what it calls huge uncertainty around these forecasts, but adds, ominously, that risks of a deeper downturn are considerable. Obviously, a lot can happen between now and Q4 of 2023, but it is increasingly difficult to come up with a more bullish scenario. If we take the dual shocks of the moment, war and inflation, both figure to be with us for some time. Inflation is likely to persist in part because of the war and the effect that is having on supply chains and consumer and commercial sentiment. And the medicine to fight the problem, tightening financial conditions, is sure to leave a mark, as we are already seeing in the housing market. And we worry about how aggressive the Fed's rhetoric has gotten. From Chair Powell's recent public fawning over yesteryear's ultra-hawk Paul Volcker, to the decision to send out high-profile Dove, Lael Brainerd, to deliver the unexpected rapid balance sheet reduction message certainly calls into question just how measured the central bank intends to be. As for the war, the potential economic impact continues to span a wide range of outcomes, although it is increasingly difficult to see, to see a near-term positive one. The big swing factor in play is will Europe continue to purchase Russian oil and gas? This is highly relevant to Europe, where the energy burden is already significantly higher than that in the U.S. According to BlackRock, Europe is spending 9.1% of GDP on energy compared to the U.S., which spends just 4.4%. So when should you worry about recession risk? We stick to our view that 2022 feels like a transition year, from stimulus-fueled extraordinary economic growth back toward normal where fiscal relief turns into fiscal drag, and where consumers and businesses will have to deal with two new shocks, and where the old one, COVID, hasn't fully gone away. 
The good news is that markets should factor in the relatively strong position most consumers and businesses find themselves in, which should help to hold spreads in through 2022. And we would agree with DB that the back half of 2023 is when that recession risk jumps up. All right, on to our second thing, home builder blues. The residential housing story in the U.S. continues to be one in the midst of powerful cross-currents. Home values are spiking, up 19% year-over-year in the most recent reporting, due in part to what seems to be a chronic shortage of houses. Realtor.com estimated back in the fall that the market is short more than 5 million homes. Housing starts have been steadily climbing since bottoming out in the wake of the global financial crisis, but are still less than 80% of what was done in 2006. Yet homebuilder stocks have been selling off hard of late, down 29% from its all-time high hit in December. What gives? Well, it turns out that home builders are getting hit by two highly topical forces, interest rates and supply chain woes. Mortgage rates are spiking. Since the year end, mortgage rates have risen from 3.25% to 5%, which has only worsened affordability. Indeed, the National Association of Realtors Home Buyer Affordability Index, with data through January, has fallen 24% over the past year. Mortgage applications have fallen in eight of the nine previous months. Demand for home purchases is flattening out with the Mortgage Bankers Association forecasting just 3% growth in purchase mortgages in 2022. And even when home builders want to build homes, the cost of materials has skyrocketed, up 29% for the year ended February, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So pull it all together, and home builders are facing slowing demand and significantly higher costs. Clearly, those costs have been pushed across to a not insignificant degree to home buyers, but sentiment is changing. Consumers are becoming far more cautious as we head into the great deceleration. According to Fannie Mae's Good Time to Buy a Home survey, hit an all-time low at the end of March of 25%. A year ago, 53% felt like it was a good time to buy a home. So is the Home Builder Index a canary in the coal mine? It seems like you want to pay attention to what it is reflecting. Supply chain woes, and tightening financial conditions weighing on consumer spending, which is so important to economic growth. All right, on to our third thing, Jamie Dimon's letter. There are a few CEO letters I look forward to every year as much as this one. Yes, I'm a bank analyst by trade, and no bank on the planet has the reach and perspective of J.P. Morgan Chase, so this has always been in my orbit. But this annual manifesto is so much more than an update on the state of the bank. It's always been a rallying cry to fix the problems that are holding the United States back from achieving its full potential. Agree on what we want, then execute, this private sector CEO implores. So what does this all mean for credit? Plenty. The shorthand version says that over the past decade, the U.S. economy has grown on average at 2%, when we should have grown at 3.5%, according to Mr. Diamond. The problem is poor political leadership and policy, which add up to political dysfunction. The consequences of that dysfunction include ineffective education systems, soaring health care costs, excessive regulation and bureaucracy, the inability to plan and build infrastructure efficiently, inequitable taxes, 
a capricious and wasteful litigation system, frustrating immigration policies and reform, inefficient mortgage markets and housing policy, a partially untrained and unprepared labor force, excessive student debt, and the lack of proper federal government budgeting and spending, all of which lead to huge inefficiencies. Wow. He does point out that, quote, enormous QE and enormous fiscal stimulus stabilized markets and allowed companies to raise enormous amounts of capital, unquote. That, in turn, Mr. Diamond observes, saved many small businesses, put more than $2.5 trillion in the hands of consumers, and almost $1 trillion into state and local coffers. It has also triggered an unprecedented recovery in terms of magnitude and speed of the jobs market. Regular listeners to the podcast have heard us talk about this, how important it is to recognize the strength of most consumers and businesses as we head back to normal. That shift is challenging enough to an investor mindset that has gotten used to very low consumer and commercial defaults. Throw in sentiment-crushing inflation and a war updated around the clock on your phone, and the prospects of a not-so-soft landing have grown. That's why the strength of the consumer, of businesses, of the financial system is so important. All of that will allow for a smoother transition back to normal. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, recession risk. It's rising, but the benefits of QE and fiscal relief make for a smoother transition. Two, home builder blues. Rising rates and supply chain kinks continue to weigh on this story. And three, Jamie Dimon's letter. Intractable problems materially reduce the U.S. growth rate. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest research and ratings reports. See you next week.